you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. FYI, I'll cover this in a full story, but before we get into the stories, I want to mention if you haven't heard, Trump got the virus. It's a pretty big deal, and I think pretty much everybody in the world probably knows about it at this point, but we're going to get into it in a little bit. I've been covering evangelical pastors who would do anything to show their support for Trump for months. These people seem to be convinced that Trump was literally sent by God to save America, but news has been slowly leaking from Trump's aides that he mocks religious believers behind closed doors. Surprised? Me either. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Republican leaders do. But the fawning level of support Trump receives from evangelical voters makes this particularly ironic and sad. An Atlantic article released recently, written by McKay Coppins, who talked about a number of people who know Trump or have worked with him over the years. Apparently, there's a prosperity preacher named Creflo Dollar who begged his congregation for $65 million for a private jet. Here's a quote from the Atlantic article. Trump seemed delighted by the scam. Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, recalled to me, and eager to highlight that the pastor was full of shit. They're all hustlers, Trump said. Here's another quote from the article. In private, many of Trump's comments about religion are marked by cynicism and contempt, according to people who've worked for him. Former aides told me that they've heard Trump ridicule conservative religious leaders, dismiss various faith groups with cartoonish stereotypes, and deride certain rites and doctrines held sacred by many of the Americans who constitute his base. Honestly, none of this surprises me. At all. Seriously. And if you're surprised by this, then I'm going to have to suggest you get your head out of your ass. This is why most of Trump's base likes him. Because he makes fun of people. That's his thing. Why would anybody think he doesn't do it to evangelicals too? Do you guys remember Kevin Sorbo? He played Hercules on the TV show from the 90s. And he also played an evil atheist in God's Not Dead. The evil atheist professor who tried to make all his students disavow their faith. As if any atheist would give a shit anyways. Middle, 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 he gets hit by a car and accepts Jesus right before he dies. If it wasn't obvious by now, he's what I like to call a giga-Christian. Well, he's decided to make a movie with John Lennox, another giga-Christian and famed math magician. The name of the movie is Against the Tide, Finding God in an Age of Science. It's basically Kevin Sorbo pretending not to believe in God, and John Lennox making one unsubstantiated claim after another. Here's a quote from the Christian Post. It's hitting theaters nationwide for one night only on November 19th. Despite the theatrical restrictions in the U.S., almost 600 theaters have signed up to screen the faith-based film. Awesome! As if we haven't had enough people breaking rules and putting people in danger. I would have thought people would learn their lesson with Trump getting sick, but I guess not. Oh, and don't worry, we'll be talking about Trump getting sick in a little bit. Pat Robertson held a prayer rally about a week ago, and for some reason... After all these years, he's still expecting results. In a recent video, he said, quote, I believe that what's happened out there on Saturday with all this prayer, I think God's going to hear it, and we're going to see a dramatic change in our society. I think the dictators of this world will be coming down. Isn't that funny? Last week, last Saturday, they had a prayer rally to bring dictators down, I guess, and within the week, Trump gets the virus. That is the heart 
of coincidence. He goes on to say, I believe that we're looking at four or five years of really, it'll be like a paradise because the devil is going to be bound for time. I think disaster was on the way, coming into our society with antics and the radical group named Black Lives Matter and other groups like this that had communist influence. I think the Lord is going to put an end to it and we're going to see a period of blessing. Seriously? This dude is 90 years old and he still hasn't connected the dots that his prayers are answered at the same rate you'd expect if there was no God. But after saying God has a plan for the past 90 years, Pat must realize that either God isn't there, he isn't listening, or he can't answer your prayers because it would fuck up his divine plan. Right? This week on the podcast... Deanna Lorraine, a famous QAnon personality, is in the news for claiming the left might have given Trump the virus through his debate mic. She released a series of tweets about it the other day. She said, quote, I'm just going to say what we're all thinking. We're all thinking, apparently. Trump was fine until the debate where they set up microphones and podiums for him. Incubation period is usually two to three days. I'm going to need a fact check on that, by the way. I don't think incubation is two to three days necessarily. He tests positive a couple of days after the debate. I put nothing past the left. Nothing. Here's another tweet from her. Look at them celebrating already. When he beats this, will you admit you were all wrong? This is a complicated subject. People tend to fall into one of two categories. The group of people who are happy at the prospect of Trump dying, and the group who don't want to see anybody die, no matter who it is. Personally, I don't want to see anybody die. I think that's the humanist position. Even if that person doesn't care about other people's lives. That doesn't mean I don't. Josh Feuerstein. If you guys have been in the atheist community on YouTube for a while, you'll know the name. The dude is a complete nutbag. He's a giga-Christian. Steven Anderson levels. He made the atheist YouTuber circuit a while back for some really stupid videos he put out. Well, he just announced the other day that he's starting a church in the Dallas, Texas area and wanted his Facebook followers to join. We're going to take a look at some of his older videos, and then we're going to take a look at his church announcement. Before we take a look at all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. This is Lucas from Texas. So the political divide in America is pretty strong, but it's being egged on by two very powerful extremist cults the Antifa mob and the Trump supporters. And then there's some people underlying those kind of work in the shadows on the internet and spread misinformation and extremist ideas. I'd be interested in seeing you uh, compare and contrast those two cults using your extremism gradient and give your thoughts on their impending expansion and pervasive influence on both sides of the aisle. It's a pretty scary thing, but someone needs to talk about it and uh, give sort of a comprehensive insight as to how, uh, you know, they're, they're just influencing everything. <laughs> and it's getting kind of scary. So thank you. I'm not really equipped to analyze Antifa because I don't know much about it. I do know that it's largely decentralized. There isn't really an organizational structure, but I suspect you know that I've talked about the extremism gradient. And in the extremism gradient, I talk about uh, which is a model, by the way. In that model, I talk about level one, level two, and level three cults and how they can be decentralized with no hierarchical structure to speak of, but still be cults. 
you see that in the anti-vax movement, in the flat earth movement, and things like that. So I'm not going to use that as a cop-out. I'm not going to say that Antifa is not a cult, but I'm not going to say that it is either. Let, let's just take a look at my website real quick. So I outline the layers of extremism. Level one cults are decentralized and non-focused. Level two is decentralized and focused, which would be your cult of personality, like Donald Trump supporters, for example. And level three cults are centralized and hierarchical, like Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, Mormonism, Heaven's Gate, so on and so forth. One of the key qualities to decentralized cult is role model formation. When there is no hierarchy, one naturally forms. So with Donald Trump supporters, there is a hierarchy, uh, a loose one. Donald Trump is the leader. Uh, the members get all of their information from Donald Trump. They may get information from outside sources, but no matter what, if Donald Trump's information contradicts what they see with their own eyes, they believe Donald Trump every time. That is a level of information control that, that makes it a cult, de facto makes it a cult. With role model formation, what you'll find is when there is no hierarchy present, when there's nobody outlining doctrine, telling them what to believe and, and what's correct and what isn't, people kind of come into those roles organically. Like if you're dealing with an anti-vax group, for example, there may not necessarily be a leader of that group. There isn't. It's largely decentralized. There is no hierarchy to speak of. But the people who push out the most propaganda, the people who are most sure about their opinions and go deepest into the rabbit hole, those tend to become the leaders of the movement, the leaders of the groups. And a lot of the time, level one cults, the decentralized, non-focused ones, like anti-vax groups, for example, they tend to be very small pockets. And sometimes moving from one small pocket to another, you'll find serious inconsistencies in between them. Like one anti-vax group may have 500 members on Facebook completely disagree on a subject with another. One of them may be a left-leaning anti-vax group who's, who also adopts veganism as one of their precepts. And you'll find another anti-vax group who's right-leaning and hates vegans, thinks veganism is stupid. So you'll find a lot of diversity between the pockets, but within the pockets, you'll find there's usually a strict hierarchy that's formed, and they have very clear-cut doctrine, basically, that, that the leaders, the most extreme members, have formed out. The point behind all of this is it's possible that Antifa is a cult. It, they, that, that's a possibility. If it is, I would say that it's, it's not a cult as a whole, I would say there are probably extreme little pockets, just like I was describing with the anti-vax stuff. You would have to get very, very specific and narrow it down to specific groups, like specific Antifa groups, not just Antifa as a whole. So anyways, like I said, I'm not qualified to talk about whether or not Antifa is because I don't know anything about them. Hi, uh, Telltale, this is Michael from Pennsylvania. I'm calling because uh, I wanted to ask if 
uh, back when you were a believer, you ever thought you were hearing the voice of God? Um, I know that it's something that happened to me. Uh, I could sort of get myself into this uh, into this state where I thought I was hearing God's voice, um, and uh, and I'm curious to know if that ever happened to you or or what you think about that sort of thing. Um, I, I don't think that it was like a, an actual hearing voices, schizophrenia sort of thing, but more of just like a, a meditation kind of thing. Anyway, I'd like to know your thoughts. Bye. Just want to point out, that's an interesting question, a really interesting question. Just because you hear voices... Uh, does not necessarily mean that you have a mental illness. Having schizophrenia requires a certain number of uh, visual or auditory hallucinations per month. I, I, I don't remember what it is. It's been a long time since I've looked at the DSM-5 definition of schizophrenia. But I think it's like a minimum of three visual or auditory hallucinations per month or something like that to be considered schizophrenic having visual hallucinations just out the side like the corner of your vision in your peripheral vision that could actually be a sign of physical abuse possibly i had that for like a long time when i was younger like 15 or 16 or something like that i would see something move out of the periphery of my vision when nothing was actually moving at all so hearing or seeing things isn't necessarily a sign of mental illness. But to answer your question more directly, I don't think that I ever heard any voices or anything. I think I could have probably talked myself into believing that I had. Kylie's great-grandmother, you know, my daughter's great-grandmother, she is mega religious, like really, really religious, believes in God to the bottom of her heart and she tells me that she has actually heard God's voice he has literally spoken to her I think it's possible that I don't remember anything like that because Jehovah's Witnesses don't have a belief that God speaks to people individually I think Mormonism believes that everybody receives revelation in their everyday lives if they're, like, members of the church or whatever. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that normal people receive revelation or don't believe that God speaks directly to every human. They believe that only the governing body members are actually only anointed people, I think. It's either anointed people or governing body members receive direct revelation from God. I don't remember which for Jehovah's Witnesses. At any rate, uh, that's, that's probably what added to the fact that I never claimed to have heard God's voice directly. But I do know a lot of people who do claim that. It's fairly easy to convince yourself of something if you really, really want to believe it. Hi, this is Cyrus from Indiana, and this is my second question on here. But I was wondering what you think of this modern psychedelic movement and group of people who really intensely believe a lot of the things they see while they're on psychedelic drugs. I was sucked into it for a while, and, you know, I still think that there's some benefit from some of the hallucinations you get, and you can have some metaphors for your own life come from them, but 
I definitely think there's people who take it way too far, and I was really just wondering what your input on that would be. Thank you. As some of you may know about me, I actually was an addict for a long time. I was an addict for a couple of years after I left Jehovah's Witnesses. My life completely fell apart, completely crumbled, didn't have anybody there to help me up, didn't have anybody to help me in any way, shape, or form. My family completely abandoned me after I left, and from there came the dark times, for lack of a better term. I became an addict and did all kinds of bad stuff. Uh, I did try hallucinogenics at that time, years and years ago. I was like 19, basically, I think, at the time. 18 or 19. Anyway, I did acid. I think I have to be careful what I say because you can't endorse drug use on YouTube. I don't really remember what the specifics are. I'll be careful. Either way, I, I had some experiences that I felt were very profound and very important at the time. And I was afraid that I would forget that stuff. So I wrote it down as it was happening. And I remember coming up with really interesting metaphors for various different things in life. One metaphor I came up with was that a relationship with another person is like a rose hanging upside down where it's been cut off there are no more nutrients coming into it so it's hanging upside down and as time goes on the water drains down the stem and it hits thorns from time to time and eventually it reaches the petals until it solidifies and all of the water completely dries up and the rose is frozen in place uh, as it was the day that it was picked for the rest of eternity. For some reason, I thought that was extremely profound at the time. Like I said, this has been like many years. I don't think that the things that you say or think when you're doing that kind of thing are as profound as you think they are in the moment. They seem a lot more profound when you're coming up with the ideas. I'm sure people have come up with some really profound things when they were doing that, but the groups that form around this stuff largely form because they think that it's so profound in that moment and they didn't have somebody outside of their bubble to kind of smack them and be like, that's not that special, it's not that profound. Sure, some of the stuff you say may be super profound, may be super awesome, but once you understand what's happening in your brain, the chemistry behind what's actually taking place, it becomes a lot less spectacular and magical and supernatural. It all boils down to chemistry, ultimately. It's kind of disappointing to me because my favorite band of all time, Tool, absolutely love that band. Love them to death. I have some vinyls of Tool over on my collection back there behind me. They kind of fell into that trap in some ways. They're like super like wooey spiritual new age. It's really annoying in some ways to listen to their music and hear all the wooey new age bullshit. They as a band have really hit on something special though, like with their their the sound that they all 
make when they come together. Just the perfect guitarist paired with the perfect bassist, paired with the perfect vocalist, paired with the perfect drummer. They're just really, really amazing as a band. It's, it, it is kind of disappointing to me when I see people going down a really wooey road needlessly. The world, nature, your mind, it's all amazing stuff. You don't need to inject magic into it to make it seem more special and unique. Just the fact that our brains are operating the way they are with the chemistry involved is amazing in itself. Nemo Nova, I want to hear how you got out of your addiction when you hit rock bottom. Was it a friend or a book that you read? Respect, be well. I highly recommend Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Appreciate that. Thank you for the super chat, very much. I was addicted to OxyContin for a while, then I switched to heroin for a short time. Demonetized. <laughs> uh, this probably won't, this will probably make it to the podcast, but maybe not the actual clips on YouTube. Either way, that's what I was hooked on for a while. Eventually, it came to the point where I was just like waking up, looking for money, looking for drugs, go to sleep. Wake up, look for money, look for drugs, go to sleep. That That's the cycle I was in for I don't even know how long. It The days blurred together. It's just a big black spot in my mind now. All of it is. Eventually, I came to the point where I was looking for an opportunity to get out of that circular pattern. And the first opportunity that presented itself, I took. And that opportunity presented to me was Suboxin. Some people have a big problem with Suboxin because they say it's trading one drug for another, blah, blah, blah. I went to school for substance abuse counseling after that. So speaking as somebody who went to school for substance abuse counseling, Suboxone is much more preferable. Uh, it's a much more preferable option than continuing to do drugs or trying to quit and failing. I am a productive, tax-paying member of society now where I wasn't before, and who knows how long I would have been stuck in that cycle. Maybe for, I, I knew people who had been in it for 20, 30, 40 years. I knew a 75-year-old woman, 75-year-old woman who was an addict, the worst addict that I'd ever met. I am a tax-paying member of society now, and I think taking a medication like Suboxone is far preferable if it means I can be a tax-paying member of society. Shannon Blown, as a former pharmacy tech, I dealt with patients on Suboxone every day. They all talked about how it literally saved their lives. Yeah, it saved my life. I am a completely different person now than I was, you know, when I was on drugs. Like, I, just totally different. World's different. Tax-paying member of society now. The saddest part is... I got into drugs basically immediately after getting disfellowshipped because my life was in shambles at that point. Thanks to Jehovah's Witnesses, it was in shambles. And that's that, that point in my life is when my mom had the most communication with me because I was freshly out of the religion. So the only person that my mom really knows is either the little kid or the addict. That's all she'll ever know of me. She won't know my accomplishments because I'm full apostate now. 
she will think that my accomplishments are disgusting. So, you know, because I'm an opponent of her religion. So it's really sad, really disappointing. Give, give me a reason to become an atheist, Xavier Zeta. Give me a reason to become an atheist. Interesting. I don't think that I need to give you a reason to be an atheist. I think that you need to give me a reason to be a Christian. Nobody needs a reason to be an atheist. That's the default position, logically speaking. Christianity is making a claim that the Christian God is real, that Jesus came back to save us all, and, and all of that other good stuff. I reject those claims. I reject the claims of Christianity. Just like I reject the claims of Islam, the claims of Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, Jainism, um, I, I reject all of it. I just don't buy it. I don't think that Muslims have the facts or the truth. I think it's nonsense. Muhammad did not ride a winged donkey or horse or any other type of creature to the moon or to heaven. He didn't split the moon in half. None of that stuff happened. I just don't buy it. If you want to show me evidence of that stuff happening, I will examine it honestly. People have been trying for many years, and none of it's been satisfactory. I just don't believe that Muhammad split the moon in half. Same goes for you as a Christian. I haven't been convinced that any of your claims are true. The moment I hear a convincing claim, and I promise I will examine them honestly, the moment I hear a convincing claim with convincing evidence, I'll accept it. I'll be a Christian. I'll get baptized the whole nine yards. But you've got your work cut out for you. FYI, anybody watching right now, if you want a super chat, each dollar that you donate gives one treat to each kitty. So each treat costs about 50 cents. If you donate 50 cents, that means you're giving a treat to one single cat. I'll trade off. Uh, if you donate a dollar, each cat gets one treat. So $5 means five treats for each. Life in the doghouse. Trump is COVID positive. I can't possibly be expected to take the high road with that information. Throws confetti. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. Saw a tweet the other day that said, looks like RBG successfully argued her first case before God. I saw that too. Yeah, that's funny. I think it's kind of stupid because obviously, you know, I don't, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God anyways, but yeah, it was kind of comical. Matt McConnell, at least Trump got something right. Dolphner, I've been in the atheist community longer than you. What are you taking over my Sunday? Nervardia is mad too, says Tim, says so me. Yeah, it is, it is Saturday today, but I didn't say the M word, so that works. It's, it is Saturday today though, FYI, everywhere in the world. Uh, Zolfner, Trump is strength, we all fear foreign powers now. I don't think so. I, I feared foreign powers before. Aiden Benson, money for kitties, I appreciate that, and they appreciate that very much. Stacy, 1904, Cat treats, awesome, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Pretty soon I'll upload a video of me giving them the cat treats. From one opiate addict to another, I hate you, says Zolfner, <laughs> right? Yeah, we were both opiate addicts, it's true. I forgot that you were that you were an opiate addict for a while. Brandit Townsend, from my fur babies to yours. Oh, thank you. Tell your fur babies that my fur babies are very thankful. They appreciate that very much. When we come back, we're going to talk about a QAnon conspiracy theorist claiming the libs gave Trump the virus through his debate microphone. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. 
You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the first article I want to take a look at tonight is entitled InfoWars Deanna Lorraine Claims the Left May Have Given Trump COVID-19 Through His Debate Mic. This is from rightwingwatch.org. It's written by Peter Montgomery. So let's give the article a read and see what it has to say. Deanna Lorraine, a QAnon-promoting internet personality who parlayed a 2% showing in her run for Congress into a gig at InfoWars, spent the morning tweeting conspiracy theories about the news that President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump had contracted COVID-19. A number of QAnon-promoting accounts buzzed with speculation that Trump's diagnosis is a cover story to allow him to stay in a safe place while the long-awaited storm of mass arrests of powerful satanic finally takes place. But Lorraine suggested that Trump had been intentionally infected by the left, perhaps through his debate microphone. Here's a a quote from one of her tweets. I'm just going to say what we're all thinking. Trump was fine until the debate where they set up microphones and podiums for him. Incubation period is usually two to three days. I'm questioning that. I don't think that's exactly correct. Incubation period being two to three days. I can't look it up at this immediate moment, but if somebody wants to look it up in chat and at me in the live chat, I would appreciate it. I don't know. I don't know what the incubation period is either way. He tests positive a couple days after the debate. I put nothing past the left. Nothing. Trump has COVID. Hashtag Trump has COVID. This is a, despite the fact that this woman is obviously completely off her rocker, um, and she's very obviously a cult member. I've covered this woman before, actually. I've covered her before on the podcast. She is deep in the Trump cult. Deep in it, man. It's really, really sad to see. I'm very disheartened by the fact that she's so deep in this belief system. It's disturbing. Aside from that fact, I've seen some other disturbing things coming from my side of the political spectrum, the left that have also been very disturbing to me. I'll get into it in a second. Let's keep reading. This is Right Wing Watch. Lorraine, who has accused Trump of taking his base for granted when he appeared in public wearing a mask, also twisted a straightforward CNN tweet about Trump's risk factors to portray it as the media celebrating Trump's diagnosis. This is her tweet. Quote, Look at them celebrating already. When he beats this, will you admit that you were all wrong? This is Right Wing Watch again. She suggested that something nefarious was behind the fact that more prominent Republicans have come down with COVID-19 than Democrats. It does not seem to have occurred to her that it might have something to do with the fact that many Republicans have joined Trump in downplaying the virus, mocking mask wearing, and opposing other public health protocols. This is another tweet from her. Quote, does anyone else find it odd that no prominent Democrats have had the virus, but the list of Republicans goes on and on? Right wing watch again. And it doesn't appear that she's about to concede to those who suggest mask wearing might be a useful safeguard. This is another tweet. What's more useless, Joe Biden or masks? This is another tweet. I am the most anti-feminist woman on the planet. This is back to Right Wing Watch. There's a lot of competition for that title, but Lorraine did recently urge women to vote for Trump the way they would choose a boyfriend or husband by selecting someone who is tough and strong 
who's a little bit of an a-hole sometimes. Why would anybody want someone who's an a-hole sometimes? Earlier this year, Lorraine portrayed her run for the seat held by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as a David and Goliath battle. Her campaign slogan was God, Family, and Country, and she was endorsed by Trump promoting megachurch pastor Jack Hibbs, who said he called San Francisco pastors on behalf of her crusade. When her race failed, she took to promoting herself via online videos and spreading COVID-19 conspiracies became one of her go-to themes. She got a visibility boost in April when Trump retweeted her call to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh, that's who it was. I remember that whole debacle. In April, she said she wasn't buying that COVID-19 was disproportionately harming black Americans, but said that if it were, it might be because black people were ignoring public health guidelines to have house parties and barbecues and crawfish boils. Wow, dude. Wow. Holy hell, this woman. Jesus Christ. What is wrong with this woman? So about Trump getting the virus. Should we be celebrating this? There's a lot of debate about this right now. My latest video coming out is about the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses, the governing body members, hate apostates and wish they were dead. That is what the video is about. I, I scripted it like before I knew that Trump was sick. This is how I have felt for a long time. It's wrong for Jehovah's Witnesses to wish that apostates were dead, right? Simple. It's wrong. It's wrong for pastors to pray that Ruth Bader Ginsburg die, right? That's wrong. How could I possibly condemn somebody for praying for RBG's death? How could I condemn the governing body members for wishing that apostates were dead while still wishing that for Trump. How could I do that and be morally consistent? It's wrong to wish somebody was dead. That's the default position, and I think that the majority of people know that. Human life comes before all else. Human life as a humanist, I believe that human life is the most important thing. There is an argument that Trump is so harmful to society, to the world, that the world would be a safer place if he were dead. And I think that that's probably correct it would be but that's a pragmatic argument if we're talking about a pragmatic argument like we need to look at the situation and figure out what the best thing would be how this would play out in the best way i don't think that trump's death would be the best thing actually right now if we're looking pragmatically instead of morally I think our best bet would actually be for Trump to be defeated at the polls. If Trump did die tomorrow, for example, Pence would most likely take his place. Not guaranteed necessarily. There's a lot of like there's a lot of questions surrounding what would happen exactly, but Pence would probably take his place, right? I think Pence would have a 
far better chance of getting Trump, I'm sorry, of winning against Biden. And the reason I think that is because Trump is extremely polarizing. Trump is hated by a lot of people. And he's motivating a lot of people who would not otherwise be voting to vote. If Trump is out of the picture, those people aren't going to see it as important anymore. Well, Pence is just a normal old Republican. He's just a normal old guy. Same as George Bush, same as anybody else. Obviously, Pence is really, really terrible. And I think my audience knows that I feel that way. But that's what the undecided voter who would otherwise be voting Biden is going to think. Uh, it's not as big of a rush anymore. Pragmatically, if that's the argument you want to go with, is the world better off with or without Trump? Obviously, the world's better off without him because he's, he's acting like a, a dictator. But I think that his followers need to see his defeat at the polls to try to eradicate this kind of Trumpist situation we find ourselves in. Eradicate this Trumpist mindset, this cult mindset. The most effective way to defeat that mindset right now is beating him in the polls. If he dies before that happens, he's going to be a martyr. And it's going to get worse. So if we're talking pragmatically... Like, is the world better off with or without him? I think the answer right now, at this immediate moment, is that it would be more harmful to the world for him to die at this immediate moment. If we're talking like two or three years ago, it'd be a different story. But I'm not talking pragmatically. I'm talking morally. Morally speaking, it's wrong for Jehovah's Witnesses to wish apostates were dead. It's wrong for pastors to pray for RBG to die. It's wrong for us to wish death on somebody. That's how I feel about it. And I've been attacked mercilessly by people on Twitter for it. Anyway, I don't celebrate the death of anybody. As a humanist, I don't want anybody to die. Even if that person doesn't value human life like I do doesn't change the fact that I value human life. Whether Trump sees how important every life is or not, which obviously he doesn't, it, it, it's irrelevant. I do. Cults go into this ends-justify-the-means mindset. Cults go into this idea that anything is justified if it gets you to your goal. Doing an evil act is okay if it's in service to the greater good. Scientology believes that. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that. A ton of different groups, a ton of different cults believe that. I, I left that behind. Everybody listening right now, you guys left that behind too, presumably. If you left a cult, you probably left that mindset behind. Or you should have, at the very least. Committing an evil act or wishing for an evil act to take place in service of the greater good is what cult members believe. We left that shit behind. I don't wish death on anybody. I wish Trump 
would no longer be able to hurt anybody. I wish we could find a, a solution where human life was preserved, all human life. So, anyways, point is, I'm not going to celebrate anybody's death. I'm not happy that there's a human being suffering right now. I'm not happy about that. I do not like that. I wish that it wasn't happening. On the flip side, if this experience forces Trump to recognize what this is and how serious it is, I'll jump for joy. If he comes out the other side alive and more aware of the situation emotionally and mentally, I will throw a party, a single-person party. As long as he survives, I don't want anyone to die. Anyways, that's how I feel about it. I'm sure I lost some subscribers. I'm sure you guys are really unhappy. I'm sure my chat's a fucking train wreck right now, so... I apologize for that. That's just what it is. Oh, and something else. It's very tempting to engage in conspiracy theories. I've been tempted. For example, I'm wondering, Trump obviously caught it before Thursday because that's when he started showing symptoms, or before Wednesday, I'm sorry. He started showing symptoms on Wednesday or Thursday, right? Wednesday night, supposedly. There is a, an incubation period. I don't know how long it is. Did anybody leave a message about it? by chance? It's 15 days, give or take. Incubation period is between 2 and 14 days. Okay. Thank you guys for that. I appreciate it. Life in the Doghouse, The Gaytheist, Amanda Schultz. Thanks for clearing that up. Incubation period is between 2 and 14 days. He started showing symptoms on Wednesday night, from my understanding. That means he caught it Monday or earlier. That means at the debate... He had it, more than likely. I was tempted to engage in a conspiracy theory that he arrived late at the debate because he suspected he might have it and he wanted the debate to take place anyways. I don't know. That is a conspiracy theory, though. I don't know. Nobody knows. We have no idea. There's no reason to speculate. We shouldn't be speculating. Because we don't have all the information. There's no reason to think we do or any of that stuff. So as tempting as it is to speculate, we have to refrain from doing so. Another conspiracy theory is that he's faking it. And that crossed my mind for a minute, too. It's possible. Maybe he is. I don't know. That's really what it boils down to, though, isn't it? I don't know. None of us know. We're just going to have to wait it out and see. On the DL, I don't think he's faking. Because... I don't know, it's just very complicated, and there's a question about whether or not that would help or hurt him. I think it's going to hurt him, the, the fact that he caught it. I think it's going to hurt him politically. So my suspicion is he's probably not faking. Also, I watched his news conference with the doctors earlier. I watched the doctors' news conferences, and they, you know, it, it just didn't come across to me like it was being faked or anything, so... I don't know. Time will tell. I guess we'll have answers with time, right? In 50 years, we'll look back on this whole situation and, and figure out we'll have the answers that we were seeking all this time. Let's take a look at some super chats. Zulfner, the left has been wishing death on Trump. That's hypocritical when they were mad about people disrespecting RBG's death. I agree. It's morally wrong to wish death on somebody, period. 
you can say it's pragmatically right if you want. Is it better for Trump to, you know, not be here than to be here? That's an open question. I'm not looking at this from a pragmatic point of view. I'm looking at it from a moral point of view. Morally, it's wrong to wish death on somebody, period. It's as simple as that. And pragmatically, I think it's um, probably better for him to stay alive anyways. Zofner, please no Pence. You don't like Pence? You misspelled his name, by the way. It's P-E-N-C-E. Interesting. Why, I wonder. Uh, Fran Wilson, treats for the kitties and Kofifi for you from my cat, Espresso. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you. I drink decaf at night when I'm reading the uh, Super Chats and stuff. Zofner, I did... He's in the closet, too conservative. Interesting, okay. Uh, talking about Pence, I think. Zolfner, I hate this guy, but Harris encourages Portland. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Harris and Biden's public stance is that violence is wrong in every situation. There should not be political violence from Antifa, from uh, white supremacists, from anybody. So, and I stand behind that. I agree, no political violence. That's the wrong road to go down. Evan Inge, say this exact quote is a birthday present for me. Voice 2 did something wrong. There you go. Happy birthday, Evan Inge. Happy birthday. 20 years old, I hear. Still a young whippersnapper to me. That's fantastic, though. Seriously, happy birthday, man. Once you get to my age, you'll realize you got one foot in the grave, one on a banana peel. I tell that joke every year on my birthday. My birthday is July 20th, by the way, so it passed not too long ago. Anyway, happy birthday to you. I hope you're doing something fun for your birthday. So, you know, eating a cake or something, an entire cake to yourself. Nathan Jasper, I like turtles. Yeah, turtles are pretty cool. Thank you for that super chat. I appreciate that. And the kitties appreciate it too. That's five treats for each of them. So thank you. Zolfner, she encouraged more protests and riots. No, Harris did not encourage more riots. She may have encouraged more protesting. I encourage protesting too peaceful protesting. Harris and Biden's public position is political violence is wrong. And it's my public position too. It's my private position. I just believe that violence is wrong, period. So anyways, Harris encouraged more protesting. Maybe I can see that, but not more violence. Evan Inge, oof, that quote is incorrect. What? I read it exactly as you wrote it. What are you saying? Let me look again. Maybe I misread it. Hang on. Say this exact quote as a birthday present for me. Voice two did everything wrong. That's what it says. I'm reading it. What's what's wrong? Did I read something wrong? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get, I'm going to write a browser plugin on Chrome that will change every instance of the word Monday to Sunday and every instance of the term voice two did nothing wrong to voice two did everything wrong. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to spread it out to all of my subscribers and all of my Twitter followers. That would be the shit. Although I'm not a programmer anymore. I, I did it for six years. That's what I did before YouTube. So I don't know. It's just weird to think of myself as like an artist rather than a programmer. But anyway, I'll tell you what, guys. That's where I'm going to end it for the night. I appreciate you guys coming on, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel, where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.